0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly.
2: to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today we're talking about insurance. It's that time of year again when if you do have an employer that provides insurance for you, you're going to start getting these notices that it's time to check out your plans. Joining me is Todd Valentine. He is the Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits at Beehive Insurance and also Susan Spears, who is the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. Welcome to the show.
3: Well, thank you for having us today. Thank all
2: right. you, Todd, we're going to start with you because you're the guy with all the knowledge about employee benefits. First of all, how do I understand what my options are? I know every single year my employer sends me a list, and I'm fortunate, I guess, in that we have five or six different insurance plans to choose from. But how do I make heads or tails out of which one is best for me, and should I always go for the one that has the lowest deductible?
1: Yeah, a great, great question. It's actually multiple questions in one, but I think (laughs) the key for any individual that's trying to evaluate options is really trying to understand what your needs are. A lot of people can be underinsured or overinsured depending on what they end up picking for themselves, and it's like you were saying, Heather, you have lots of options to pick from from your employer. Most employers offer more than one option and a lot of times more than one network within plan. And so it's really key to kind of understand what your needs are and, and work through with your employer, the HR team or the agent or advisors that are there to help answer those types of questions.
2: One thing I do want to key in on, especially for me last year, what I finally figured out is for almost 10 years, I'd been selecting the plan that was kind of right in the middle as far as how much the deductible was, uh, $100 out of every paycheck. But it provided that if I did get sick, I didn't have to pay as much money out of pocket. What I discovered last year, though, in reviewing it all, and I actually did all the math, is the plan that had the lowest deductible, if you added up my maximum out-of-pocket expense and added all the deductibles, it was almost the exact same amount as that middle plan where they were taking more money out of my paycheck every month and then less out-of-pocket maximum for if I got sick. So it was kind of equaled each other out, and I decided, well, I'm going to risk it and, like, hope I don't get sick, (laughs) So I went on the lower deductible plan.
1: Yeah. And that, that's pretty standard. I mean, if you think about insurance is just an assignment of risk, if the insurance companies are going to take on more, more risk, they're going to charge more in premiums. If they take on less risk, they charge less in premiums. And so there's a direct correlation, just a, a monetary correlation with how much risk You want to take on individually for yourself or your family, and how much you want the insurance company company to take on. So, for an individual or family to go through and look at their options that they're getting from an employer, or if they're purchasing private coverage just through the marketplace, it's a real a real thing to kind of look through and decide what what do I use insurance for, how do those co payments or you know deductibles or out of pockets play in, and what is it going to cost me to carry some of the risk or, or have the insurance companies carry more of that risk?
2: Now, Susan, as a tax person, what do you see at the end of the next year when I go to file my taxes? What if I did get sick and I had a really low deductible, but all of a sudden I had to pay all this money out of pocket? Well, that
3: that's kind of a loaded question as well because it depends on how you're handling your health insurance through your paycheck. So if you have like a cafeteria plan or a health savings account where you're putting monies into those accounts before taxes, you know, you you can use those monies to pay those health insurance expenses, of course, up to the limit of your account. The other thing is, is if you itemize deductions, which a lot of people don't anymore with the, you know, with the standard deductions being as high as they are. Um, I mean, if it was a, if it was a terrible health year, which we hope nobody ever has, you could find yourself in a position where you might be able to itemize because of those extensive, um, health insurance costs. So it's something as a CPA we look at on both sides as well. And, and often as employees are working with their HR, they're also thinking themselves working with their CPA to see you know what what benefits best i mean it's it is like Todd said it is a risk it is a risk analysis if you will and at different points in our lives we might we look at health insurance differently you know if i've got a family and kids coming up i mean having those well care checkups being a part of the health insurance plan is huge but if i'm relatively healthy and things are things are fine maybe i take a bigger risk it, yeah. it's
1: i think To add to that, Heather, I think one of the mistakes most people make when it comes to health insurance specifically is they don't necessarily account for using a flexible spending account or an HSA appropriately. They're not taking full advantage of the tax deductibility of putting money in and through those accounts. A lot of people will lose out on hundreds, if not thousands of dollars every year of tax savings because they they haven't coupled those two decisions together as far as what type of plan I'm picking, what my deductibles and out-of-pocket maximums are, how I'm going to use the coverage, and then setting aside money in those pre-taxed vehicles and a, a flex spending or cafeteria plans, the same same thing or an HSA account. If you don't put money in those to use for your expenses during the year, you don't get the tax credits and it can be really significant dollars.
2: Okay, this is actually a good place to take a break because when we come back, I actually want to go into more detail the differences between an HSA and an FSA or the cafeteria plan as you were talking about. So we'll be right back with Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA, and also Todd Valentine, He is the Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits at Beehive Insurance. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night.
1: Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do.
2: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything.
3: It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand
2: it. I will never accept it. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about insurance. It's that time of year where you may have to start selecting plans for the coming year for 2023. Joining me is Todd Valentine, the Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits at Beehive Insurance, as well as Susan Spears, who is the CEO of UACPA. Todd, when we left off, you had just mentioned FSAs and HSAs. So can you give us a little bit of a brief breakdown of the difference? They sound exactly the same to me.
1: Yeah, and they kind of act the same, too. The first thing, I guess, is that an FSA or a flexible spending account, some people remember them called a cafeteria plan, right? So those are the same thing. And with an FSA or flex spending account, this is your money. And as an employee, your employer, if they make these available, you, you get to set aside through a payroll deduction and a set amount of money. And you make that determination or that election at the beginning of the year usually at the same time that you're deciding which medical plan that you want to choose uh, for the upcoming year, and you decide how much money you want to put in. One of the things that is different between an FSA and an HSA is in an FSA, you make that election one time, and that's that's what you have. And there's uh, very limited circumstances where you can change your election. So if you decide you want to put $1,000 in throughout the course of the year through payroll deduction, that $1,000 is the $1,000 for the whole year. You can't increase it or decrease it. You're you're kind of stuck with it. Contrast that to an HSA. An HSA, the election uh, can change, and that's uh, usually geared by the employer's decision. Like They might say you can change it monthly or quarterly. The employer has some ability to dictate how often you can make changes. But if you started the year with a $1,000 election in your HSA, and you wanted to change that to say $2,000 because you had additional you know, health things happen where you needed and wanted to take advantage of the tax savings of, of that money, you can make an election change anytime during the year based on your employer's rules that they have set forth.
2: Now, what if I started with the two thousand dollars in either the FSA or HSA and it's you know middle of November and I still have five hundred dollars left and nothing happens for the rest of the year do I get that five hundred back?
1: Yeah, good question. So the answer is it depends. <laughs> it's an attorney answer on an HSA a unique thing with an HSA is there's no use it or lose it provision the money. That you put in the HSA, it's like putting money into any savings account. It's in there, it stays in there until you until you spend it. With a flexible spending account uh, or an FSA, the plan has two options. You can either have a rollover, so an employer gets to decide this which rule they want to follow. And and maybe Susan, maybe you can jump in and explain those. But there's a rollover option. Uh, or there's a spend-down option at the end of the year.
2: Wait, what do you mean by spend-down option? What is that?
1: So in in a plan, it will allow you to have, like, the next two and a half months into the plan year to to spend the money that's in there from.
2: Oh, so, okay, so let's say in 2022, this year, I had originally said, yeah, let's do the $2,000. bucks." i have got some dental work coming up and, you know, a few things going on. But I get to the end of November, all of that's taken care of, and I still have $500 left. I could say, you know what, starting 2023, I only want $1,000 taken out because I'll still have this $500 that I've got a couple of months to to spend.
3: Well, you you have to make sure that you spend that 500 though, in that two-and-a-half-month w- window. Or the employer can choose to pull that money back, and it's their money. Now, oftentimes, we'll see employers that will just turn around and, and reimburse you, put that, that in their wage. I mean, they've got some flexibility there. That, in my opinion, is one of the challenges with a flexible spending account. If anything, you want to be maybe a little short. As opposed to to a little over, but you know you can plan some dental, you can plan some procedures and stuff like that. But you kind of want to keep it pretty close. Whereas with the HSA, if you have that option, that money just keeps
1: rolling forward. Heather, most of the employers have opted for the a carryover, Mm -hmm. so they'll they'll use the a five hundred dollar or whatever the federal limit is as a carryover where. If you get to the end of the year using your example and you had 500 left and your plan had a carryover provision, it means that whole 500 would carry over into the next year and be available for the following year's expenses. But then you would have to make the decision on, in addition to that 500 you're carrying over, how much money do I, am I going to guess that I'm going to need for the coming year? And maybe it's 1500 to give you another 2000.
2: Okay. Susan, I heard in your explanation that if I don't use my $500 at the end of the year and I carry it over for the next two and a half months and I still don't use that $500, even though that money came out of my paycheck, the employer has the option to just keep it for themselves. Why? That's my money.
3: I can't tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I wish I had a good reason, but I, I really don't. I mean, that's just something that's been in the rags for really forever. And and I know that when I was working with clients, it it's like, you know what, I'd rather see you undercut it. Now, I had I will also say that I've never seen an employer claw that money back. Because to your point, that's my money that I had withheld from my paycheck, I mean, employers, they get it and they know that they will have a very unhappy employee if they were to do that. But I think that it's important to know that as you're working with HR or whatever, so that you don't leave money on the table, you need to know what the company
2: policy is. So let's say I lost it. I had one of those horrible employers who just like, sorry, it's ours. That's your penalty for not using it. Can I write that off on my taxes? Nope. (gasps) Oh, what?
3: Short answer, no. (laughs) Oh,
2: okay. Double
3: whammy. Yeah, and
1: that sadly, that's one of the downsides. Like Susan was saying, with the FSA, is most people, if they're using a traditional copay style plan and they're using a flex spending to get to take advantage of the taxes. They generally underfund it because of that one-time election, that one-time guess mm-hmm. of how much money I'm going to need um, to take advantage of taxes. Um, and because it's underfunded, they're not able to take full advantage of the tax credits. And because I can't change my election midway through the year as my needs change, um, I, I don't get full advantage of the taxes. And you, you've seen now a, a proliferation of HSA, high deductible health plans, and the HSA accounts that go with them grow um, really over the last 10 years plus because one of the big advantages is the ability to save on taxes or you get the tax savings of having a, a no use it or lose it clause on the HSA accounts. Plus a, a significantly higher limit of amount of the money that you can put in to those HSA accounts with no risk of lo- ever losing that money.
2: Now, is there any restrictions on what I can use the either HSA or FSA on? Can I use it for our physical therapy? I know I could use it for illnesses, things like that. Can I use it toward prescription medication? physical therapy? What are, what are my limits? Massage? I need massage.
1: You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The simple answer is yes, there, uh, there are limits. There are some things that are not qualified under an HSA or a flex spending account. Most of the things that you would think of are, and it can be anything, medical, pharmacy, dental, vision, But if you, you know, the IRS keeps a really comprehensive list that you can Google search uh, IRS eligible expenses for flex spending. A simple Google search will give you a pretty comprehensive list of things that you can and can't use your flex spending money for. But a massage, for example, is if you have back problems and the doctor is prescribing a therapeutic massage because you have back issues, then that would be deemed an eligible expense. But if you just like a relaxing massage, you know, it's not prescribed by a doctor, uh, then that probably would not be considered an eligible expense.
2: One thing people need to understand is the money that comes out of your paycheck into a flex spending account is still out of your pocket. It's just some of it is before your paycheck gets taxed or not.
3: Well, and I think also, you know, we have these HSAs and these, like, spending accounts that we can use for things that health insurance may not cover. I mean, there are many health insurance plans that don't cover physical therapy, for example, or they only cover a limited amount. Well, if you know... Something happens, especially if you have an HSA and and you're having to do physical therapy or physical therapy massage, you can up that or pull that out of your HSA, and that's kind of win-win, you know, as long as it's on that IRS list, okay. um, you're good to go.
2: We need to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to get into some other insurance stuff, I'm sure. So we'll be right back with Todd Valentine, Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits with Beehive Insurance, and also Susan Spears, who is the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way money-wise, we're talking about it. Today we're talking about insurance, and I know that certainly affects my pocketbook. Joining me today is Susan Spears. She is the CEO of UACPA, along with Todd Valentine, who is the Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits with Beehive Insurance. Todd, I think I'm going to go back to you. We've mostly been talking about insurance that we would get through our employer, and the employer can take out money for HSAs, and this is the time of year that employers start rolling out the plans that you can choose from for 2023. What if I don't have insurance through my employer? What if it's either I'm part-time and they don't provide it for a part-timer or I'm full-time but I'm at a company that has less than 50 employees and the employer just can't afford to provide insurance?
1: Yeah, I mean, this impacts a huge population in the state of Utah, right? Hundreds of thousands of us don't have an option through an employer. And so there's a couple of options for anyone that needs to look for that. The one that most people I think are familiar with is just the Healthcare Marketplace, which is the federal website that allows people to go in and shop for individual health insurance. People can do that on their own. Uh The op- national open enrollment starts in November, goes for a month and a half, and it gives everybody the opportunity to purchase coverage that either doesn't have coverage now, lost coverage during the year, uh, or just has chosen not to have it in the past. So that's the first one. The second and third are kind of the same thing, and that is there are qualified healthcare navigators and qualified health insurance agents that um, have the ability to help anyone navigate that process without any costs to the individual. And that's a real common misunderstanding or misconception. Is if you have somebody, a professional, help you, that somehow you'll pay more for the insurance, and that's just not true. The the cost of the coverage is the exact same, whether you try to go and do the shopping on your own or you have somebody, a professional, help you. And so there's a half a dozen or more healthcare navigators. These are generally nonprofit entities that work within specific communities to help folks find insurance. And then there's thousands of qualified licensed agents uh, that also work with individuals and families to, to, again, help them go through uh, and look for insurance and get the tax credits and subsidies without any cost to the member as they purchase coverage.
2: Are these two the healthcare navigators and healthcare agents are they for people in lower income areas or do, yeah. it doesn't matter anybody It doesn't it, matter. It does so if if I just don't have insurance even if I'm making a ton of money but I'm at a smaller company I can still call these people and organizations and go hey I need some help finding insurance.
1: Yes, the all of the above. Uh, we I mean As a licensed agent selling individual plans, we've helped, you know, business owners that that just is a mom and pop shop that make a very, very good income, but they need help navigating an individual policy for their family, all the way down to kids that are in school. They don't have coverage through their parents anymore, but they make little to no money. Uh, We also can help them, you know, navigate the process of picking insurance.
2: And it isn't just health insurance. You can get dental insurance as well, correct?
1: Uh, There's some integration with some of those services. Typically, uh, individual dental is purchased separately. Right. And there are a few handful of options for individual dental. What we found over the last several years is most people uh, just... Self insured dental and vision, and they work with the dentists or their, you know, vision care providers to get a cash discount that sometimes is about the same as what you would get if you purchased insurance.
2: There was a time in my life I was struggling and I couldn't afford health insurance, but I did find a dental plan I could afford. It was like 20 bucks a month. So I wanted to make sure I was getting my teeth clean, that I wasn't getting cavities, things like that, because I figured that was kind of the first line of defense in my overall health. And that was all I could afford at the time.
1: Yeah. And there are certainly options out there for, you know, for individual dental, uh, individual vision uh, for those individuals or families who are interested in that coverage. There's several quality, you know, local quality providers that offer those types of plans. And those would be something where you would want to talk to a licensed agent that works with these individual health types of policies.
2: So, Susan, if I did get insurance on my own, if it wasn't provided through my employer, can I write that off on my taxes?
3: It would play a role as you you calculate whether you qualify for itemized deductions. You can write health insurance off. But again, it goes back to the standard deduction is so high now that I mean, a lot of people don't itemize anymore. Yeah. But you certainly need to run the numbers.
2: Yeah, it's up to, what, 13,000 this year?
3: Yeah, and it'll go up in 2023. So we don't have those numbers yet. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little higher than normal just due to inflation, what we've seen in the last year. Uh It's, you know, stay tuned.
2: So basically, if every expense I tried to write off, my mortgage, my health insurance, all that, was less than $13,000, I'm better off just taking the standard deduction or whatever that standard deduction is going to be. But if I way overspent that, then you want to itemize, and that's when it
3: would be better. Yeah, absolutely.
2: As far as getting help, finding health insurance, if I don't have it through my employer, is there anywhere else I can turn to or or anything else we need to know about?
1: You know, I think... I think just knowing that there are people out there that can help these, the navigators are a great resource. The, the local agents all throughout the state, every corner of the state, there's qualified, licensed uh, professionals to help people pick plans. I think it's a surprise to most people that it doesn't cost them any more or any less to get professional help to answer questions and. Health insurance is confusing. there's a lot of variables, and it's kind of like a math test if you can have somebody standing next to you to not help you cheat but to help you get through the problem. It makes it a lot simpler and and you you're more confident in the decisions you're making for that next year as far as what your what plans and what network and what carrier you're you're choosing to use and then similar with the this whole idea with the h s a and f s a even for an employer, they, they they pay agents and consultants, and they have an HR team. There's always people that are there to help folks navigate the decisions that they're making. It's really just takes that person to engage uh, with the help that's available.
2: If someone who claims to be a healthcare agent is trying to charge me for their service, should I be running the other way?
1: Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah that that you that you it's. That would probably be a very unique circumstance because this is industry that's so highly regulated that it will be pretty easy to spot someone who's not working in your best interest.
2: I want to thank Todd Valentine, the Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits at Beehive Insurance. And also Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA, and you've just helped us walk through a little better understanding of insurance. A lot of us are going to have to make these choices in the next month or so for the following year. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode.
1: Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport.
1: There's desperation and anguish.
0: More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding.